today on the Almond Journey podcast. On the agricultural side, on the marketing side, on the regulatory side, there are just tremendous uh, and innovative things going on, uh, including my favorite thing, which is biomass and what we're doing there. An update on the state of the almond industry with Almond Board of California President and CEO Richard Waycott. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. In today's episode, we're going to go back to Sacramento for the Almond Conference 2022. I sit down with Almond Board President and CEO Richard Waycock, who shares some of his takeaways from TAC and recaps his message on the state of the almond industry. We cover a wide range of topics in this interview, from grower profitability to water to biomass to reflecting on Richard's 20-plus years in the almond industry and his hope for this year, which he has announced will be his final year leading the Almond Board. He starts off by talking about the Almond Board's thought process headed into TAC this year and his approach to the state of the industry address. Just as sort of the general context of this year's conference, as well as the state of the industry address, we wanted to make sure that it was a very transparent, realistic, honest appraisal of our current situation and not trying to sugarcoat anything. But at the same time, inform and, and educate our industry about all the amazing things that are going on that uh, will play in the short, medium, long term into uh, the future success of the industry. And I think we achieved that pretty well And that uh, on the agricultural side, on the marketing side, on the regulatory side, there are just tremendous uh, and innovative things going on, uh, including my favorite thing, which is biomass and what we're doing there. So I hope that the folks that attended uh, took that home with them that, yeah, these are tough times. It's a 25-year bet that you're placing when you plant an orchard, and inevitably you're going to have some down years throughout that. Fortunately, largely speaking, we've had very successful years in this industry, and that uh, when we do get in a tough patch, you know, the tough get going and don't dwell on their problems, but, uh, you know, try and implement what our solutions for the industry, again, to to keep us successful. So again, I hope that's what most people took away. Yeah. And, and when times are, are challenging like this, it doesn't change the mission of ABC, obviously, but does it change the strategic priorities and how what types of changes need to happen there? Well, I think we're an organization that's 72 years old. Uh, and, and of course, we've changed and evolved ourselves like the industry has. But we've learned a lot of lessons along the way about what works and what doesn't work. We also understand really well what our role is in this. And when I give presentations to the industry, I always want to emphasize, you know, we're not all things to all people because that's not our charter to begin with, nor can we as a federal marketing order do anything we want, especially outside of our guidelines for the organization. So I think uh, what we do uh, differently in harder times is we push the pedal to the metal in terms of trying to stimulate demand as hard as we can. And we're doing that all the time, but as we presented in the State of the Industry Address, that we really squeezed that lemon as hard as we could the past couple of years, did some very sort of innovative things with existing promotional programs we have, like March Madness and, and other things like that. But at the same time, 
on the marketing side, we entered um, into the partnership with Marvel Studios. It was the first time we've done something like that. And that was in five countries, uh, the U.S. and four other countries. And so we're not sort of in this mood, well, we, we you know, better pull back or we shouldn't try new things. It's sort of the opposite. I mean, you just go, go, go. And hopefully that's, you know, our contribution on, on the market development side, on the demand creation side that will lead the industry back to, you know, better pricing. I do want to emphasize though, and we, you know, lots of people said it over the past three days is that, you know, a lot of the impacts on the industry during the last 18 months, two years have been many of them out of our control. And, and so we didn't want to misrepresent anything or conjure up excuses for things, but it's true. And it's not just us, it's everybody. Uh, the inflation factors, the interest rate factors, the logistics mess that we had to deal with, the drought, I mean, all these things, sort of one punch after another that hit the industry. And and hopefully all the punches are done with now. Yes, <laughs> now it's time to, to heal and, and get back to uh, to running the race that we like to run. So that's what we tried to impart again in, in our message. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just my sense and the people that I talk to, but I've noticed even though the challenges haven't gone away from last year here to this year, the optimism seems to be rising. I don't, it, it just seems like this undertone of like, we're not going to sugarcoat the problems, but there's reasons to be optimistic. Well, I do think, and, and again, I, I mentioned that at the beginning, that we wanted to really strike the right tone with this conference. I would say in many years, it's, it's all go, go, go and love and happiness. Right now, it's, you know, you still want to hug the person, but it's, it's not that you're going to say that things are, are great all around because they're not. But um, again, I think that by doing that, by sort of facing the reality, then you're much more prone to listen and, and learn and, and seek uh, alternatives for a way out of this uh, as opposed to dwelling on that current state. So that's what we tried to do is be frank and open. And yes, we're all in this together, but we need to move on. And here's how we're contributing to doing that. Absolutely. Well, I want to get back to you mentioned the biomass earlier. Can you just share what you shared uh, about biomass in, in that session? Well, this is sort of a favorite topic of mine just because it was probably, I don't know, six years ago or so at this conference, we really broached the topic of biomass for the first time in, an, in certainly in a new way. As you know, you know, our hulls almost entirely go to the dairy cattle feed industry. We, uh, you know, do different things with our shells, but 70% of what we produce in an orchard, we never looked at that with a different viewpoint in terms of, wow, that's a lot of biomass. What could that become? What might be alternative uses for this? So we started investing in different areas of possibility with both the hulls and the shells in terms of what's in them and what could be extracted from them or what could they be converted into. And, and again, there's a whole gamut of things that we've discovered that are possible uh, we also have investigated, and this was one of the presentations yesterday, in uh, feed for other industries uh, like poultry. So, so we sort of branched out in you know sort of more traditional industries that use our biomass, and then completely new ones, including uh, yesterday, which is sort of the the talk of the town a little bit, which was uh, hulls for humans, and that's taking the hull and making basically a, a powder or flour out of it, very high fiber, lots of sugar. And uh, it's sort of, as, as our chief scientific officer, Josette Lewis, always says, it's, it's sort of the fleshy peach part that we eat of a peach is really what the hull is. So we've been able to make some beverages out of that, which I think really have some promise. 
I tasted them the first time around and I go, oh, this still needs a lot of work. But I think now we're at a point where it's really sort of very uh, interestingly viable from my standpoint. Uh, and then another product that the Matson Company out of San Francisco helped us develop was a an energy bar type, which is super high in fiber, uh, lower carbs, lower calories, more protein than, for instance, a Cliff Bar has. So, so we're seeing certain things like that. There's just opening up this whole potential, potentially, to add more value to our biomass, which in the whole equation of things really makes a lot of sense in the long run. We've sort of hung all the costs of the business on the kernel, which is 30% of what we produce, and then sort of sold off the rest of it without any pricing authority or anything. It's just sort of, what can we sell it for? And we'll take it. So now, you know, maybe we can be more in the driver's seat on that and really create more value there to, to keep our price of kernels, you know, viable for customers and consumers. And then, you know, provide more revenue to the industry through the biomass. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, when you think about in the last couple of decades, what's happened with, with the kernel in all the different places you see the kernel now, not just eat it raw, like, of course, a lot of people still do, but in every aisle of the grocery store, you know, it's cool to think about, could we do the same thing with the whole? Maybe not in every aisle of the grocery store, but could we diversify where it goes? I think that's cool. Yeah, and I remember in that presentation six years ago with Mike Mason, who was then the chair, we sort of set the challenge. Why don't we envision a future where the hull and the shell provide more value for the industry than the kernel? You know, how we get there, I don't know. But why don't we set that as a target? So I'm not saying we have, but that's sort of the idea here. Let's really look at this industry and the potential of it from, you know, quite differently. Right. And profit potential, but also just better use of resources too. Right. Right. And that's one thing we really uh, also are developing our storyline much more on is, you know, when we go back to the last drought, we got vilified for being the scapegoat for everybody's drought problems and, and water use and all that. And some of those taglines stuck like the gallon per kernel, but uh, we've come a long way since then. But I, I think, you know, now as we look at not how much water we use, and we are always working further on water use efficiency in the industry, but it's really what are all the things you get with the water we use? And so, you know, it's really these four crops of the, the kernel, the hull, the shell, and the tree. And the interesting things going on with potential with, with the silica and the trees. But it's really this vast amount of agricultural production that you're getting out of this water. And, you know, the hulls, which we have about 5 billion pounds of hulls that go into dairy cattle, they offset uh, about 400,000 acres of production of some other cereal or some other ingredient would have to go into that ration. And, and to grow that 400,000 acres of that other uh, ration ingredient takes about 1.3 million acre feet of water a year. So with the same water we're using, we're offsetting the carbon and the water that would be used to grow the equivalent of 400,000 acres of a feed ingredient. So then you go, wow, well, that's amazing. And you know, there are other benefits from, again, this biomass that aren't just uh, maybe new product applications, but it's what they do to offset other things that would otherwise have to be produced. So pretty interesting story. And so we're going to try and educate people about, you know, what do we do with the water we use? Not necessarily how much water we use. And that's a good story too. But uh, I think this will be a more interesting one for consumers. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that, you know, no matter what food you're producing, it's going to require water. And this is going to so many different types of foods was really a great story. The, the other one is, is uh, you know, food waste in the supply chain in the home, in the refrigerator, uh, in the restaurants and food service and all that. And, you know, obviously, again, the four products we produce all go to useful purposes today and hopefully better purposes even in the future. But almonds are a product that 
throughout the supply chain, really, there's zero waste. We have a long shelf life, and uh, when was the last time you threw out an almond? You know, so the USDA does these analyses in the in the U.S. on food waste, and so overall percentage of food waste in the supply chain and at the home is about forty percent of the food we produce. Forty percent. Uh, so you think of all the water, carbon, everything that goes into that, that then essentially gets wasted. Tree nuts, and I don't have an almond figure, but I'm sure it's very similar, even better, is 1%, they calculate. So 1% versus 40. And again, I think with almonds, maybe it's that or something less. But that's another thing that I think consumers can really, I think, buy into is that you know, they're buying a product that's not only grown in this amazing way, produces all these amazing products that go to important uses, but also that, you know, we're not wasting anything throughout the supply chain. So right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of nutrition, you know, with, without the waste. You know, last night was a really special event, the gala last night and, and uh, recognize some folks. Maybe can you just talk about the, the folks that were recognized and uh, just give kind of a recap for those that weren't able to make it? Sure. Yeah, it was really fun. We moved the gala event uh, to Wednesday night. It's usually on Thursday night, but we felt it would be better to do it uh, Wednesday. And for those of you that do come to the conference, uh, there's the famous Duarte Nurseries Party that takes place Wednesday evening, sort of the after party. And so we talked to John Duarte and said, you know, we want to do this Wednesday night, but what we'll do is we'll go from six to nine and then people can be very happy coming over to your party after that. So that's what happened last night. But as uh, part of the proceedings last night, we recognized three industry individuals. First off was Mark Jansen, the president and CEO of Blue Diamond Growers, who's announced uh, his plan to step down sometime in 2023. And uh, the, the term I used to characterize his tenure is transformative at the Blue Diamond Growers. I think he, he brought in uh, just a, a whole sort of generation of change there, and not only in you know, the company and sort of the, the way it operates, uh, but you know, in the executive team he's built in the product innovation aspects and really turning it into a world-class food and beverage uh, consumer products goods company. So we recognized him and Caroline, his wife, for their 12 years in the industry. So they're going to move along. And then... Um, and we have two awards, the Almond Board of California, one being the Almond Technical Achievement Award. And that goes to someone who's either developed some type of unique innovation in the industry or has been very key in, in dissemination of information to the industry, et cetera. So we, we recognize Paul Lum, who is someone who's worked for many years, sort of selfishly and very humbly to uh, disseminate knowledge and, and learn from others and then teach that knowledge to others. So that was really great to be able to do that. Uh, and then Brian Nazelle, who's been the longtime almond guru at the Paramount Farms uh, then and now a wonderful company, a real friend of the industry, and has contributed so much to the almond board in different ways, including, I think it's 14 years he's been on the Global Market Development Committee, which is where 82% of our budget is spent and global demand-creating activities. And he's been a chairman of that committee for the last six years, so... Just all around, he's sort of, he's uh, characterized him as being sort of the, the symbol of, of the almond industry in many respects, just because of his, most of his career has been uh, dedicated to it. Yeah, a lot of service is kind of a theme that popped up to me, not, you know, to him and, and everyone that was recognized yesterday, just very selfless service to the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. And then uh, we also uh, recognized our almond leadership program class of 2022. Uh, their graduation, if you will. And if you're interested in participating in the program, there'll be plenty of time in 2024, but it's in its 13th year. It's come a long way. Not that it was 
it was not a great program to begin with, but just as with everything, with the conference, with the industry, everything, we constantly look how to evolve it and improve it. So uh, I think it's a, a wonderful way to learn virtually, you know, most aspects of what goes on in our industry, as well as learn all of the facets of the all board of California and what we do. Great. Well, uh, last, before I let you go here, I know you have announced that as of the end of 2023, you'll be retiring from your position. So in this final year, you know, what's top of mind for you? What's your priority and for this uh, final year of your term? Uh, get almond prices to $3 a pound. How about that? That's a good, that's a good ambition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I look forward to the coming year and uh, working with the board on whoever the successor will be. But it's been a wonderful experience to be part of this industry from 2002 to now, going from 1 billion pounds to 3 billion pounds during that time and what that's meant for the industry, for, for technology, for growing practices, for you know almond consumption and uh, almond development from you know a, a sort of spontaneous purchase maybe now to a superfood and part, as you mentioned, in the grocery store. And we did have, uh, maybe you saw that at um, the marketing presentation yesterday morning, but we shot a video of one of our employees in uh, the Midwest in a Kroger supermarket. And it went on and on and on because the point was, you know, where do you find almonds? And, and, and it took about 20 minutes to get through it all because almonds are just found virtually everywhere and in so many products and new product development all the time. So, yeah, we've been very fortunate that almonds have uh, been able to be seen by the public as, as this wonderful, nutritious food. At the same time, it's so versatile that you can put it on almost anything. And maybe now, holes for humans. So we'll see. Holes for humans. I, <laughs> I want to try this powder drink. Um, well, last but not least, just what takeaway would you have those listening, either that have come to TAC this week or not? Um, what would you want them to take away from everything that you've experienced while here this week? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, a sense of optimism. And I think the camaraderie. Uh, we did, as the final part of our state of the industry, presentation on Tuesday, we played a, a tape from uh, an interview that I think you did with Jim Jasper. And Jim reflected on the 50 years of the Almond Conference, which this is the 50th one. And just saying that, you know, sort of how it started for him in terms of this like little get together with industry members that's now a dinner for 150 people. And at the end of it all, he characterized the Almond Conference as the Super Bowl of the Almond business. Thank you, Jim, for that analogy, but also just that this is a place to renew and to make new relationships. And that's what he really emphasized. And I, I think this is the global gathering of the almond business. I was just with some people from Turkestan. I think that's the country. The first time there's been anybody from that country here. And then I was just talking with a South African. And I mean, this conference draws people from all corners of the world that are interested in the almond business. And so it's, uh, again, making new relationships is what it's uh, all about. So... Well, I think it was pointed out last night that you've been in your role for half, almost half of those 50 years. That's right. Yeah, that was a daunting. Uh, whoever made that comment, I was going, really? Okay, well, I guess I have. 20 out of 50. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for the time. Really appreciate this. Yeah, Richard. it's been a pleasure. Well, a huge thank you to Richard Waycott once again for taking the time during this busy week in Sacramento in December of 2022 to record this conversation for us. There's no doubt the industry is much better off as a result of Richard's leadership these past couple decades, and we're looking forward to more great things to come in his final year as president and CEO of the Almond Board. As always, you can learn more about any of the topics discussed on today's episode by visiting the almonds.com website. 
We here at the Almond Journey Podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own, of how they're making things work in their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Richard Wakecott, may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, of resilience, and of community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to at least one other person in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.